Welcome in to another episode of Grady Research Radio, the podcast highlighting the research and expertise coming out of Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Georgia, advancing knowledge, innovation, and creation in the fields of journalism, advertising, public relations, and entertainment and media studies. I'm your host, Jackson Schroeder. This episode is Dr. Nathaniel J. Evans. He's an associate professor of advertising in the Department of Advertising and Public Relations at Grady College. His research focuses on examining consumers' processing and evaluation of often non-traditional advertising. So going through your research archive, you've worked on a lot. And while a lot of it is related to advertising, of course, you've looked at gaming and social media, vaccine intentions, a lot more, too. So I'd like to hear in your words, um, what is it that you study and you, can you kind of bring us through a path of your studies to this point? Yeah. You know, broadly speaking, I'm, I'm really interested in how consumers and, you know, more broadly speaking, individuals um you know, understand, um, process, um, evaluate and, and react to, you know, advertising that doesn't necessarily look like advertising, you know, advertising that we're, um, accustomed to thinking is traditional. Um, so I mean, you look at the media environment for the past 10 years, you've seen a, a myriad of new developments, new digital developments that, you know, oftentimes outpace our understanding of, what they are. And I'm really interested in the the understanding and processing side um, and the intentions uh, underlying that. And so you know, I've, I have an interesting kind of trajectory looking backwards in, in that I started out looking at gaming, right? And in particular, gaming that was focused and targeted at children. And so I looked at parents' perspectives. And, you know, and, and over probably the, the early years of being a professor that that pivoted to looking at more specific areas of advertising that were on, you know, the Federal Trade Commission's radar about, mm-hmm. you know, potentially being deceptive. And, you know, probably from around 2014 to uh, arguably, you know, now, but probably around 2020, I, my research predominantly focused on uh, advertisers maybe behaving a little badly, <laughs> right? Um, and 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 providing insights and and I guess recommendations about what they should do differently, right? From the consumer side, from the consumer protection side. Okay, great. So I mean, a lot of your studies do have real world implications. So is that something that you kind of prioritize and can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, I was trained uh, as as a as a PhD student by someone who is really in the the consumer protection arena. Um, Maria Hoy, who's at University of Tennessee, was my mentor, and she instilled in me early on the idea that um, if you're going to do research, there needs to be something tangible. Uh, there needs to be something that you know is going to benefit society in some way. I would argue, um, and a lot of my research you know, focuses on, you know, the specific granular elements um, that, you know, regulators should Mm -hmm. look at and maybe 
um, incorporate into some of their guidelines, um, specifically the Federal Trade Commission and some of the self-regulatory bodies like the National Advertising Division um, and even Children's Advertising Review Unit. Um, but beyond the regulatory side, there's also implications for, you know, the brands themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, the platforms that they use, right? So Instagram, you've seen with Instagram and YouTube and a variety of social media platforms, an evolution of particular disclosure-related practices. Um, and a lot of them are baked into the platform now and are, are, are made easy to use by influencers and brands uh, alike. Great. So you're studying so many of these platforms that are very current that, you know, students are on, young people are on, advertisers are advertising on. Um, so does that have any influence, your studies, do they have any influence on your teaching methods in your classes that you teach here at Grady College? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I don't teach the campaigns courses, um, but I do teach the the introductory courses, right, where, where students really get the, the initial foray into you know, advertising as a practice and as a field. And I have, you know, some creative projects and I really hit home or I try to hit home the idea that um, you shouldn't always do something just because you think it's good. Um, you need to be cognizant of the potential ramifications of being deceptive, even if it comes from a place of ignorance, right? You should cover your bases, right? Yeah. And I, I think that is maybe lost, right, on on some practitioners. Um, and that's fair, right? They're they're not communication scholars, yeah. right? <laughs> um, and they're under massive amounts of pressure to get work done and, and do it in an effective way. So they don't necessarily have the time um, to think about, well, what shouldn't I do? Yeah. Right? And, and so from my perspective, my research is, is impactful, or I'd, I'd like it to be impactful for students early on about what – what you need to be careful about and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, crossing your T's and dotting your I's and making sure that you, you understand that, you know, consumers might not get it even though you, you think they do. Right. Um, and, and I think that in the long run, that's going to be beneficial for, you know, a, a client who <laughs> you obviously don't want to have them come under regulatory pressure. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I think that's really important. And a lot of my research speaks to the, a variety of different ways in which you can help consumers and honestly advertisers as well by being transparent in the practice and make sure that both sides are, are um, helped in the process and get you know, a return on investment ideally, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I want to take a step back um, and just talk in a little bit more detail about some of your more recent research. Um, so some of your recent work focuses on advertising techniques to increase vaccine intention, correct? Um, specifically the HPV vaccine. So can you explain kind of the motivation behind this research and what techniques you found to be effective and that sort of thing? Yeah, sure. This is, this is a, a really interesting project to me. It's um, something I did with a, a current uh, PhD student of ours, Grace Adams, and a former PhD student of ours, uh, Huyen June, who's at um, Regina Salve University in Rhode Island. And the... The initial impetus was was born out of you know some of my older research with uh, Glenn Nowak and, and Michael Cacciatore and and Grace on about you know using um, 
alternative platforms to increase uh, uh, vaccine intention, specifically with the flu. And so we looked at VR, right? And that was, I believe, in 2017, uh, 2018. And, you know, VR is great. I think it has a lot of implications, but it does have a, a penetration problem, right? It's not as widely adopted as social media. And um, and so the the impetus underlying this research was, well, let's look at the current uh, advertising landscape and how can we, I mean, it's in the title itself, right? <laughs> how can we leverage influencers yeah. and their specific practices and strategies to increase intention among people who or who haven't gotten a vaccine. And it just so happened that HPV um, was something that that caught our eye because it's one of the most prevalent uh, sexually transmitted infections, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think there's something uh, like uh, close to 50,000 new cancers annually that have been diagnosed and attributable to HPV. Wow. Um, and so there is like a, a, a health motivation underlying it. Um, and so... The thought was, well, let's let's look at specific message strategies that influencers use and in, in some of their 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 paid attempts. Uh, in particular, we looked at you know gain versus loss framing, um, and we also looked at consumer trait characteristics to see if there's any kind of combination between the message factor and the individual characteristic. And that characteristic is what we called. Um, uh, regulatory focus, right? And really the idea behind that is we all have a propensity to either uh, mitigate potential harms um, or we seek out potential benefits or gains. And so respectively, we refer to that as being either prevention focused, right? So I, I want to avoid any negative things, right? That's my motivation versus um, being promotion focused, and that's where I seek out potential gains or benefits to myself. And so there's a different perspectives on regulatory focus theory, and one being that it's a, a relatively stable trait characteristic. And another perspective is that it it can vary or or change depending on the type of stimuli you see. and and we we took the approach of the former, right? That it's more of a trait characteristic. And so the the study, looked at the combination of gain versus loss and promotion versus prevention and the combination uh, therein. And uh, we, we found uh, an interesting finding that doesn't necessarily um, replicate past research. And what past research would say is that if there's a fit either way, there tends to be positive outcomes. And when I say fit, I mean Let's say that uh, Jackson, you're you're more um, promotion oriented mm -hmm. in nature. You're the type of person that would seek out gains or looked look to see how something benefited you in in both the near and and the, and the future. If you're exposed to a message right that highlights all the good things that's made possible by this HPV vaccine, and in our stimuli we we did that. So for the gain frame, we kind of said, oh. Um, I'm so glad that I decided to get this vaccine. I'm, I'm going to be healthy, right? Um, I'm going to avoid all these um, negative uh, things, right? I'm going to spend time with my family and my loved ones, right? So if you're exposed to that type of message as a promotion-oriented individual, there's a fit, right? 
And ideally, what what past research would say is that, okay, well, I feel better about that message. I like it. I might have a more positive intention about getting a vaccine, right? Fit can happen the other way too, right? Let's say I am, and this is probably true, I probably am, <laughs> a, a more prevention-oriented individual. I'm more risk-averse. I'm, I'm usually thinking about, you know, the ways in which I can mitigate potential harm, right? And if I'm exposed to a, a, a message that highlights the the negative outcomes of not getting a vaccine, right? Oh my gosh, if I don't get a vaccine, I could get genital warts, right? I could develop life-threatening cancer. So that's very scary in a way. And that's, and that's motivating to me because I'm more prevention-oriented, right? Yeah. And so past research would say as long as there's a fit, right, between the message and the trait characteristic, the, the, the orientation, right, um, of the individual, then there'd be a positive outcome, right? But we didn't find that. We found that it only works in one way, and that's typically among prevention-oriented individuals that are exposed to a loss frame message. Mm. Um, I mean, this is really interesting. I mean, in terms of our hypothesis, hypotheses, we didn't support all of them, yeah. but you know, <laughs> I'm a believer that you don't have to support all your hypotheses to have impactful research. And I think the implications are such that, well, with this particular type of um, health messaging, for a vaccine in this context, um, it might make more sense to focus on people who are more prevention oriented, right? Who maybe are more motivated by by those potential threats, right? Yeah. And it kind of makes sense. Um, there's not a lot of tangible gain to be had by a vaccine, right? It's like the gain in this case is the absence of harm. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's not the same as like health messaging, talking about um, go, go to the gym every day, right? And you will get tangible gains, yeah. <laughs> right? And so there's there's maybe a disconnect, right? And and it, it speaks to the, and I don't want to say limitation of the theory, but a nuance of the theory, which is regulatory focus theory, that the applicability of it is going to be in some part contingent upon the health context. Right. And, and the behavior um, and vaccine being a preventative um, behavior. Right. Um, it's a one time preventative behavior in the case of HPV vaccines. Right. So it's, it's, it's not as motivating, perhaps, to people who are more promotion oriented. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the big takeaway here. Um, and, and obviously there needs to be more research in this field. Um, we only looked at, you know, this particular um, approach in the context of HPV vaccination. I think it's a little different when you look at um, COVID vaccines, right? Mm -hmm. Which you, you do see this kind of um, annual need for boosters, right? So it's not quite the same. And the same could be said for influenza vaccines, right? Um, but it, taking a big step back, right, I, I think it's... It's it's a it's very different than traditional approaches that the CDC would use, right? In terms of their messaging strategy, which is, um, let's say, not as interesting as it could be, <laughs> um, where they hand out flyers and, um, it, it's just not leveraging the communication tools that we as 
consumers are used to using on a day in day out basis. And so from a, from the standpoint of somebody who's in, uh, you know, the position to make policy decisions and who is responsible for these large scale health campaigns, right? Leveraging anything, right. And everything that consumers use, I think is a good idea. Yeah. And, and there have been, there've been attempts, right. In, in the recent history about leveraging influencers. And that's also part of the impetus underlying this research. Um, but they didn't get as granular as we did, right? They just kind of looked large scale. Let's look at these really big campaigns and see um, how how many um, engagements we get, right? Uh, are people spending time with these posts? Are they clicking on them? Are, are they going to the websites to learn mm-hmm. more? Which I think is really important, right? But it's, it's not getting um, granular enough to see the specific elements that might be more or less effective in some scenarios, right? yeah. in, in particular the trade characteristics and the messaging characteristics. And so I think that's where it, where it adds to both the literature and also um, can be informative for practitioners. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for your time today. Yeah, you're welcome. That's it for this episode of Grady Research Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.